1: brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service
2: needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Will life on the farm is kinda laid back. Ain't much an old country boy like me can't hack. It's early to rise, early in the sack. Thank God I'm a country boy. Will a simple kind of life never did me no harm. Or raising me a family and working on the farm. My days are all filled with an easy country charm. Thank God I'm a country boy. Well, I got me a fine wife, I got me old fiddle When the sun's coming up, I got cakes on the griddle And life ain't nothing but a funny, funny riddle Thank God I'm a country boy When the work's all done and the sun's setting low I pull out my fiddle and I rosin up the bow The kids are as sweet, so I keep it kind of low Thank God I'm a country boy I'd play Sally Gooden all day If I could, but the Lord and my wife wouldn't think it very good So I fiddle when I can and I work when I should And Thank God I'm a country boy when the sun's coming up, cakes on the
4: nothing but a funny, funny Thank God I'm a country boy. Woo! Morena, New Zealand, good morning. Uh, Happy New Year to uh, all of you. It's so good to be back in the chair here at uh, SCNZ for your morning show between 9 and 12, and that's of course courtesy to uh, uh, Brant your local John Deere equipment supply, the good people at Brent. So we've got a, a really busy first up show for me. We're going to start with uh, a little bit of cricket. We're going to talk to Dion Ibrahim, who is the Otago Volts coach. But he's had an interesting life in cricket himself. Uh, and of course, his wife plays for the Sparks too, Kate. So uh, a former Black Fern. So we've uh, plenty to talk to uh, Dion about. Uh, then we're going to uh, go across to uh, football and we're talking to uh, jacob spoonley former white goalkeeper of sky sport football analyst of course uh we'll be talking to him we'll have a multi just before 10 o'clock some things don't change um and then we shall uh, also uh, have a panel uh, jamie wall and Aidan mclaughlin with us uh, about uh, 20 past 10 this morning Brett Phillips is our SEN tennis commentator, and of course the Aussie Open, the first of the slams for 2023 starts today, and Melbourne is just, I can promise you, just having left there, it's a picture, it is all set up, and that magnificent hub that they have around the cricket and the tennis and the footy there. Um, uh, We'll have uh, some uh, audio clips uh, around about uh, 11.25, looking back on things that happened over the weekend and uh, of course we couldn't uh, have a show without a stump smithy and we'll start that again at uh, 11.30 with a $50 bonus bet uh, up for grabs there and then now uh, we'll have a, a quick chat with Mark Watson before we uh, join his show just after midday today
5: Sport is our religion and here
0: is Smithy's Sermon
4: well, it is great to be back everyone. A belated Happy New Year to all of you. Let's just hope this is a good one. So much to look forward to non-sporting and sporting alike. Uh, let's start with a revelation, though I can reveal I am no longer a Sky TV contractor. I finished on the 31st of December. Uh, so even now at my tender age, I have to reset my sights and goals. And it's damned exciting, I've got to say. 23 years plus at Sky has been for the most part rewarding and enlightening, started with cricket on day one all those years ago, helped to build what I believed was a pretty good product until the company lost interest in trying to keep it on their channels, a CEO at the time who admitted that he wasn't a big fan of the game. Had 23 years too on the sideline at rugby, something I never imagined would ever happen. Some will say that we should, uh, some will say that it probably shouldn't have either, but it did. And for me, it was an honour and a privilege two World Cup wins, 160 plus all black tests, 20 super uh, rugby finals, countless NPC and Philly Shield matches, probably close to uh, I guess 750 games in all. Uh, What a blast for a kid who grew up playing rugby in Miramar Wellington 60 years ago. Hell, did I just say that? 60 years ago? Sky TV has a changing face now, a long way removed from this old scaly sunburnt one. There's a new breed if you haven't noticed, and that's the way it's trending away from the career broadcaster, like Nisbo and TJ, those guys in particular, and let's hope it's a long time before they are away from our screens. Ultimate dedicated pros and a pleasure to work alongside. There's a purpose and a direction towards Māori and Pacific Island input and of course female sport like never before. The way of the world as they say. So it was mutual that we part ways. But working on Fox Cricket for the last six weeks and the ICC on the T20 World Cup has rejuvenated my love to call cricket. Fox is without doubt the number one producer of cricket in the world, ambitious, innovative and their relationship with the players will never be, never be emulated in this country. as it is across the ditch, and SENZ here continue to make giant inroads across the board, and that is exciting to be part of. More access, more live broadcasts, more good people climbing on board as well. Spark flopped. TVNZ got the cricket back, which uh, for many think it's a good thing. Doesn't that just show how cyclical life can be? It's been 23-plus years since it was free-to-air on our screens. God only knows what cricket will look like, and where you'll watch it, and twenty-three more years time, so it's all going to sell upwards. So let's get stuck into this new year, shall we?
1: Oh, Luke Johnson! That's an exclamation mark to finish. Well battered, that man. And the Volts have done it. Have done it the hard way, but they've done it nonetheless. Four balls to spare, and they've won here by five wickets.
4: Summer means cricket. And while I was busy in Australia with the Big Bash and Australia's Test Series against South Africa and the West Indies, the Ford Trophy and the Super Smash have been delighting cricket fans over this side of the Tasman. Yesterday, the Wellington Blaze continued to find ways to win. In the women's super smash, while in the men's competition, the Otago Volts defeated the Firebirds by five wickets with four balls remaining in a classic. Joining us now is uh, their head coach, Dion Ibrahim. Good morning, Dion. Uh, Pleasure to have you on the show, mate.
6: Yeah, good morning, morning, Smithy. Yeah, thanks for having me.
4: Look, what a lot of people might not realise, you had a, a pretty darn good international career over a long, long period of time yourself. Uh, matt i 've got to ask you what brought you from uh, Harare and Bulawayo and those places uh, to New Plymouth and then to Dunedin
6: yeah. it 's actually quite a long story, um, but in a nutshell, it was um, I just the chance to actually come and, and visit New Zealand, which was one of the, the countries unfortunately didn 't get to tour um, when playing. so um, when the opportunity presented it, um, I was sold uh, on the sunny um, sandy beaches of karnaki. Um, uh, without knowing it, so um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, a bright-eyed bushy-tail boy, um, yeah, threw across and yeah, took up the opportunity.
4: I want to get back to uh, Zimbabwean cricket a little later on in the piece, but your current role, as we mentioned, of course, is uh, head coach of the Otago Vults, who are uh, having a, a pretty interesting season. Uh, you've you've had six uh, games in, in the, the the Super Smash competition um and uh a good win over wellington yesterday so how how you feel your tracking there
6: yeah look we're pretty we're pretty i guess um comfortable where we are at the moment we know that we're playing good cricket um we know that we haven't been far off uh, on a number of games um i guess we we still waiting for that complete performance and i suppose that's the heartening thing is that we know we're probably firing at at about 85 uh, percent of, of what we're capable of so Look, we've had a couple of close results. We've had a, a couple of bad losses. But we know that, um, I guess, the way that we're playing, um, we, we're pretty confident. And I guess, like you say, you know, momentum is pretty cru- crucial in this sort of format. So, look, the game yesterday was a great little kickstart start, what we hope um, could be a, a really good back end of the co- of the campaign.
4: You've got Dean Foxcroft uh, back. Um, he had an amazing day in the field yesterday. Really, really talented uh, all-rounder. Uh, tell us a wee bit about, because Dean, of course, uh, he was locked out during COVID, wasn't he?
6: He was, and he's had, a, I guess, a, a, quite a big absence uh, over the last two seasons. Uh, Dean is, I guess, he's one of those players that you, you kind of link to a, a catalyst, you know, he everything around him just seems to start up, you know, he, he's got that energy, that fight, that, that grit that um, every team needs, and... Look, um, he's a great asset to have um, in all facets of the game. Um, a genuine leader within the group. Uh, you know, I kind of like him as well to, to that sort of pit bull. You know, he loves to be in a, comp, in a contest. He loves the fight. Um, and he's always got that real uh, determined steeliness about him.
4: Michael Rippon's got a, a recall back to the Black Caps. That's exciting for him. And uh, he could make an impact in India because he's an interesting bowler.
6: He is. Obviously, his point of difference uh, being that left-arm uh, leg spinner, um, you know, he should find, he, uh, I guess, quite a bit of assistance up in those Indian conditions. Um, he's had a bit of ex- experience with the NZA tour a couple of months ago. So, look, he's been, uh, I guess he's been finding a bit of form in the last couple of weeks. He had a, a week off just with a little bit of a niggle, but he essentially found that fitness again and, obviously, he almost got us over the line with the bat, so Look, it's a great opportunity for him. He's been um, he's been a top-performer in domestic cricket now for oh, a good chunk of four or five years. So it's a great um, reward for his hard work. And, yeah, we all look forward with a bit of excitement to see how he tracks along.
4: Uh, Dion, your, your next uh, mission, of course, is back to the Ford Trophy, the 50-over competition uh, on Wednesday, taking on Canterbury. How do you go in between the formats? Do, do you... How, how do you have to adjust as a coach, and how do you have to adjust as a player?
6: Yeah, look, it's it's nothing new to to the players, and, and I guess to our team. Um, you know, last season we probably saw quite a bit of disruption with COVID, and you know, we we actually went through um, a period of uh, I think it was 10 days, and we played three different formats. So, look, it's nothing new. We we've planned for it, and, and I guess the saving grace is that it is two white ball formats. So. Look, the, the principles are, are very similar. Um, I guess we, we link our, our campaigns to, to various mantras or I guess call it different templates. And the, there's a lot of similarities. Um, I guess the only difference really is tempo um, a lot of the time. So look, it's, it's not that difficult, um, to be quite honest. It, it is re- really just ensuring that the guys are linking, um, I guess, their the focus to the right mantras or the right templates that we, we're trying to follow.
4: You played 29 tests yourself 82 one day internationals which is a pretty high workload over a six, seven year period Dion Now that you're settled in New Zealand how open minded are you in terms of going back into the international side of things in a coaching role?
6: Oh look I guess in the, my eyes are firmly set on I guess the sites here in New Zealand at the moment, you know, I'm pretty committed to to the roles that I have here in terms of um, at Otago Cricket and within NZC, NZC in terms of trying to develop, I guess, future black caps. Um, so, whilst everyone harbours those ambitions of coaching at that next level, I guess I've still got to prove my worth and uh, I guess my substance at, at this level. You know, there's a few goals and objectives that um, I've got set and, and we've got set down here in Otago. In so, you know, about uh, Looking too far ahead, I guess I've got to make sure that you know I have the caliber and capability to actually make that next transition or next step. So, you know, over the next few years, it's really important that um, I can knuckle down and actually accomplish and achieve a, f- a fair bit um, here in the domestic
4: scene. Uh, Dion, in terms of uh, Zimbabwean cricket, I imagine because it's, you know it's where your heart was uh, initially. Um, do you keep, still keep a pretty close eye on Zimbabwean cricket and where it's at and how it's developing?
6: uh more so in recent times i guess yeah there was a a little bit of a a solid um breakup um I sometimes liken it to that um high school sweetheart you know you you have some good times and bad times and when you break up um yeah, you often try to keep a distance for a few but so I, I do keep a, an eye out on it um yeah there's still a, a number of good friends and you know still have a good relationship with a number of people over there so I guess over the recent times I have kept a keener eye and and have hope for a bit more prosperity for them. Um, Look, there's there's a sense of optimism um, growing, I know, back back in Zimbabwe. Uh, We just hope that um, some of the changes that they're trying to implement can actually gain a bit of traction.
4: Chris Cairns has uh, put an an idea out there and it's great to see that he's uh, thinking about cricket and that his health must be getting uh, a little bit better. Uh, that two New Zealand sides could go into the Australian Big Bash League. Do you think there's there's any merit in that? Um, Do you think there's any possibility of that? Because I look at it, uh, Dion, and I think to myself, uh, with the timing of it, if you took uh, another 25 type players out of uh, our Super Smash competition, with the fact that we don't get the, the use of our internationals very often, I just wonder what our Super Smash would look like. I know it would be beneficial to the players playing in it financially and everything, but can you see it happening?
6: I suppose you can never say never, but, yeah, I guess you hit the nail on the head there. You know, as soon as you take, you know, 25 players or, you know, give or take out of our domestic competition, you know, if, if the Black Caps aren't involved in that, then, yeah, it does leave us quite shallow. So... Look, I I don't think it it could happen. I think what it might entertain then is um, opening up the avenue for overseas professionals to then enter the game. So I guess there's there's a number of facets that you could look at it from. Um, Would it strengthen our competition? Would it strengthen, uh, I guess, the capability of us developing black caps? I guess that's uh, the question they'll have to weigh um, for the decision-makers up top. Um, At the moment, you know, I think our Super Smash competition... On its own, over the last couple of seasons, has definitely strengthened. You know, it's actually become um, a very competitive comp- competition. You know, across all six teams. I think the standard of the cricket's um, vastly improved over the last four or five years as well. So, look, it's a competition. I'm sure that is gaining a lot of interest um, globally. Um, how we keep it relevant and how we keep it um, strong, you know, that's going to be interesting in the in the coming years.
4: What are you like, and as you travel the country and and uh, look at our Developing cricket players. How do you feel from uh, looking on? How, how, just not in, within your uh, outfit in Otago, but around the grounds. How do you feel we are in terms of our um, our, our our next group coming through? Because I look at it and I, I just get a wee bit worried from time to time. But I, I'd like to be um, reinforced with my my doubts.
6: Yeah, look, there's a massive void. I think when when the Black Caps do go, you know, especially if it's the white ball um touring team that's that's departed um look I've, i think there's a genuine uh, i suppose a genuine positive outlook I think looking at a number of the young players coming through um there's definitely a high skill set um the the biggest challenge is just providing the opportunities you know the the biggest issue you have is a lot of young players are coming at this coming to this level and having to learn their game at this level you know there's not a A lot of A cricket that's provided through the MAs, you know, that a player walks into a Super Smash team or a Plunkett Shield team with 30, 40 games under their belt in that format. So a lot of that is still learning on on the job. Um, But in saying that, I think the skill levels, the resources that are now across all MAs from a coaching capacity, but also from facilities, um, the players are are wanting of of not very, or wanting of uh, very little. Um, in terms of their ability to develop. So, look, there, there's a growing confidence. I, I, think, I think New Zealand cricket's in a, in a very strong position. I think the player pool that's coming through will only get better and, and deeper. Um, the crucial thing is just how we can provide more playing opportunities, I think, for the young talent.
4: Do you, you worry for the future of Test cricket? I mean, a former Test cricketer yourself, do you see... Do you see that's a worry with uh, the programs that are being introduced around the world?
6: I do, I do. And I, I guess, having worked in the, the Pathways um, system throughout the throughout a number of different MAs um, and seeing the amount of white ball cricket that young players are playing, and when I say white ball more, the shorter versions, you know, 20 overs, um, sometimes even less than that. I just... The biggest concern is actually the fundamentals and the ability of young players coming through with good, strong basics or good, strong foundations. So I guess that's the one concern, um, just the the appetite and diet of white ball cricket at at the lower levels and just the impact that will have on the genuine skill sets of the better players coming through. Um, I know there still are some really good structures in place in some of the traditional schools, but I guess outside of that, yeah, there's a limited opportunity for players to really develop strong fundamentals.
4: And of course, um, we can't uh, finish an interview with uh, Dion Ibrahim uh, without uh, talking about uh, wife Kate, who's uh, having a pretty good time it too, with uh, the Otago Sparks. I mean, do you talk about anything else about apart from cricket?
6: Oh, to, to be honest, really, we actually talk more rugby at home. Um, ah, <laughs> funny that, um, yeah, great. I think that's both of our first passion. Um, so, yeah, we actually don't spend too much time talking about cricket. But um, look, yeah, Kate's, uh, yeah, Kate's having another, another phenomenal season, I guess. Um, you know, she still harbours a lot of ambition. Um, she still has that competitive drive in and, and edge. And, yeah, you know, <laughs> trying to find the balance of... You know, raising our, our, our little wee girl, and yeah, you know, I guess her, her teacher roles as well. So, but she does an outstanding job in terms of getting that balance and still being able to perform at what she'd like to say is still at one of the top levels. So, um, yeah, she's having a, a cracker season. She's enjoying playing um, for the Sparks, and, and obviously alongside Susie and the other girls. Um, you know, she still has that mindset of how much more she can learn off uh, some of the senior girls and. Yeah, how much you can also give back to um, to the target Sparks?
4: Sounds great, uh, Dion. Uh, thanks so much uh, for your time uh, this morning. Good luck with the the clash, the Ford uh, Trophy clash on uh, Wednesday, and uh, your coaching aspirations. I hope they all uh, they all come true for you, mate. Uh, pleasure, pleasure catching up with you. Thank you.
6: Wonderful. Thanks for your time, sweetie. You take
4: care. Cheers. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, uh, Dion, everyone home there. Uh, former Zimbabwean international. Uh, and has gone through Taranaki, played a lot of cricket. there. in fact, got batting records for Taranaki. Uh, And now, of course, is uh, down there coaching in Dunedin, doing a fine job. It's twenty-three here on SENZ.
1: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help
2: you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. J. He's bolded! Smithy's cricket update, thanks to Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand.
4: Yes, and thanks to Razine, we can tell you that the Wellington Blaze have done it. They've bre- they're uh, breaking their own New Zealand record for the most Super Smash victories in a row yesterday in Dunedin, taking their winning streak to an amazing 17 T20s. And in a fickle game like that, that's incredible. Unbeaten since the grand final two seasons ago, Sunday's big class with the Sparks at University of, Oval, of Otago Oval. So the Blaze win in style with an eight-wicket victory, nine balls to spare as they chase down their target of 128. Brilliantly led by their skipper, the multi-talented uh, Millie Kerr steering her side to the winning post with a career-best 73, not out after 50 balls uh, on the back of uh, Susie Bates starring for the Otago Sparks. She's been in sizzling form with uh, her third big score of the last four knocks. Amy Satterthwaite also having a very, very good season in the Super Smash. And the best news of all for uh, women's cricket in New Zealand is that they have appointed Morné Morkel to join their uh, T20 World Cup uh, campaign as a bowling coach. I think they liked all bowling coaches. They had uh, Jacob Oren before that. But uh, it'll be fair, Morné Morkel is a terrific guy, was a terrific bowler, and will add plenty to that campaign. So exciting times for women's cricket in this country. Uh, that was our uh, morning, Monday morning update, and uh, that is courtesy, of course, of Racine. We'll be back shortly. It's time to have a news update with Araha. and calendar is as, as crowded as, as ever, returning, of course, from the FIFA World Cup. The Wellington Phoenix are back in the men's A-League and making a real push for a spot in the playoffs while the women's side struggle to find their feet. Been a tough old season for them. Meanwhile, in English football, the FA Cup remains top of the mind with three around, round three replays happening this week, including Liverpool taking on Wolves again. Plus, the EPL is back in full swing. And, of course, don't forget the little matter of the Women's World Cup coming up later this year between uh, New Zealand and Australia. We're hosting it. And that means that uh, we're going to have a lot of uh, talented uh, women footballers here, including the US Women's National Team, uh, this week. So uh, let's uh, catch up with uh, what's going on in the football world, shall we, with uh, Jacob Spoonley, of course, former All-Whites goalkeeper and Sky Sport football analyst. Uh, Good morning to you, Jacob. Let's keep it custodian, shall we? Uh, What a season Ollie Sale has been uh, having of late. Uh, what has been his secret to success in goal, because uh, I was actually doing a game of cricket, and next door he was saving penalties for Africa in a, in a stadium right next door in Sydney.
7: Good morning, Smithy. Really great to have you back, mate. I think we can all put Ollie's, uh current success down to um, a period in his formative um, uh, sorry, formative period in his goalkeeping upbringing where he was the understudy to a Jacobs at Century United. So I think all success really does stem from this, mate. As you can appreciate, you've got hand these sorts of things down.
4: <laughs> yeah, Of course. Always the most important person <laughs> in the team. There's no doubt about that. Um, look, that's why we come to you every time. Uh, but, but in all honesty, in all honesty, mate, uh, yes. it's it's trending well. Very, very, very well indeed. It is. And this has
7: been um, a wee while in the making. It seems to be a yearly occurrence with Ufuk Tully that we go through a stage where there's a bid of new players, uh, either returning Kiwis or Australians that have been brought into the mix, and then there's some imports. And then once we get through a seven or eight game period, they seem to go on a bit of a tear, where they do start making their way up through the table. And we've kind of seen that since they've come back from the World Cup. Yes, there was um, a stumble against Melbourne City, albeit... That someone came against the team at the top of the table and then since uh, then we've seen them come away with two very important 1-0 wins, away from home and two clean sheets, so no goals conceded over the course of 180 minutes and we've been chirping on for a while about how strong they look with the ball, how fluid the football has been at times, but there has been this trapdoor, which has been their defence and they seem to have cured that and to your point, Ollie seems to have been um, the player that's really helped get them those clean sheets. I would say it's been a unit um, that has settled in. And the clean sheets have coincided with the return of Alex Rufa, the club captain. And when you put in place a spying that starts with Ollie, extends through Tim Payne, and then finishes with the disruptive, controlled, settled influence that Roofer brings in the midfield, you're starting to see the foundation of this Phoenix team going forward. And that, to me, has been the unsung part of these two pretty impressive performances away. And we now have them playing Central Coast of third versus fourth this
4: weekend as well. OK, so we're approaching um, uh, the halfway point in uh, the A-League season. Gosh, it's flown by. But um, on on the basis of what you've just said, uh, you you seem fairly confident that uh, Ufuk Tule has the right players uh, to take them through to the pointy end of the season and the playoffs.
5: But I, think, I
7: think that's exactly right. I don't think we're talking about a team that's, that should have ambitions of just making the top six and being happy to compete with the Australian teams. I think we're talking about a slide that should put itself in the picture as being the Black Horse. This team, and I've said this is the start of the season, should be aiming for top four. So they're up against teams that can spend more. They're up against teams that have a much more storied history when it comes to not only competing but going deep into the playoffs. The Phoenix don't have that, and they don't have that under Talley. but they've built this side, this squad, more importantly, because we've seen Dick this year, that can compete with anyone on their day. Although they lost 3-1 to Melbourne City, who are the team that is going to run away with the title this year, I believe, um, we did see them compete. We did see them being ambitious. We did see them go out and confidently attack Melbourne City um, for large chunks of the game. They were second best but that should give them a milestone to then progress forward from. And we've also seen them being able to compete with the likes of Western Sydney where they picked up a point, Central Coast Mariners where they've also picked up a point. They've beaten Adelaide and MacArthur, who are the teams that are hovering around that top six. So they've got the ability to not only um, see things eye to eye, but also knock them down. Um, And that's why this game this weekend I think is so important. It's a home match. It's against another top four side. Uh, and it's a chance for the
4: Phoenix to really start rubber stamping this claim for the top four. Jacob Spoonley, uh, been, I've spent a bit of time uh, in Australia of late, um, and there's a little bit of um, conjecture, I guess, as to the underperforming sides over there, sides like Sydney FC and the Melbourne Victory. What's what's happened there?
7: I think Sydney FC, they need a refresher, and Steve Corica obviously has had wonderful success taking over the reins. After Graham Arnold left the Socceroos, he took the side forward, um, evolved on some other set of principles, um, tweaked them slightly, but they've relied on a number of senior players, um, and they've really aged as a collective um, over the course of Correa's last couple of seasons. We have seen them bring in some new faces this year. They've tried to combine those with some academy products. It simply isn't working, and The Corica is now under massive pressure. I went on Simon Hill and Alex Brock's SDM show, um, so your colleagues over on the other side of the Tasman, and the lead-in chat was all about when, potentially, if not if, uh, Corica would be around. So he needs to get things up and running. Um, I think he's got a CEO in the background that is looking to... his fingerprints on the squad and that might mean that he gets to bring in a coach um, to take the team forward. So Adam Santos has taken uh, the job from Danny Townsend, uh, who's already stepped up as the APL management and I think Adam Santos is a new stadium, he's got some new signings, he potentially might be looking at a new coach.
4: Let's talk uh, a Women's Phoenix if we can and win winless after eight matches which is, is disappointing because after last season we had some Relatively high hopes, uh, particularly with the ability to play matches at home, uh, Jacob. Uh, And even yesterday, going down uh, 2-0, conceding two very early goals to the Perth glory, and having a player in Eamon Ralston sent off, which is pretty rare in women's football.
7: It is, and I think we can all rightly um, be frustrated with what's occurred uh, in the ALW this year for the Wellington Phoenix. Um, They lost their coach uh, like doors, so um, Gemma Lewis, uh, left to go back to Wales. Um, she was offered a wonderful position over there. Um, that didn't mean wholesale changes, though, as Natalie was able to step up into um, the role she became the head coach. Uh, as you said, Smiley, they were able to bring in some very senior firms. Those firms should have helped elevate the team from where we saw them last year, where at the end of the season, they did start picking up points. They were putting in some really competent performances and competing rather well with the much more seasoned Australian opposition. Uh, That simply has not uh, transferred into good performances this year. And I don't think it's, the frustrating part isn't the results, although if you look at what has occurred, uh, we've played nine games now, we've had one draw, so only accumulated one point over the course of those nine games, Um, conceded. 17 goals and only scored three. So that's not pretty reading at all. Um, It's the how they've gone about um, playing the matches. We haven't seen much in the way of regular chances. Uh, And then there has been a looseness to their play. They've encouraged pressure at times by being sloppy in position, particularly playing out from the back. So a lot of this has been self-inflicted. And I think it's the management of the matches that, really does need to improve. Um, in relation to the sending off last night, it looked like Emma Ralston was by and large provoked, but that's, we have had suggestions that this, uh, this team have not come together necessarily uh, as quickly as expected. Um, I think that probably the, the thing that needs to be dealt with, um, first and foremost, is making sure that this is a cohesive unit um, because they are one that's going to be expected to go out and... Um, I think return results, which you wouldn't have expect, the expected results in season I don't think you'd say the fans were looking to pick up much, but they haven't really got to that threshold yet either
4: Right, let's uh, turn to uh, the EPL if we can uh, Jacob, because there's plenty going on there of course, including some drama in the Manchester derby uh, City fuming over United's uh, equaliser some suggestion that Marcus Rashford had interfered in the play, what would you make of that? <laughs>
7: It's uh, brilliant watching the Manchester United. Um, that's the Manchester teams, United the City uh, cannibalise each other. Um, I can't really talk, but I've been a Liverpool fan. But um, what we're talking about is Marcus Rashford making a run. He's clearly offside. Uh, he doesn't ever get more than three or four yards away from the ball, just outside the 18-yard box. He looks like he's about to strike it. So the Manchester City players are largely playing him. They're trying to contain and minimise any sort of risk that he poses. And then right at the last. Uh, Bruno Fernandes screams through, puts it in the back of the net, and uh, on review, it is decided that Marcus Rashford doesn't have any influence over anything, including the balls or Manchester City offenders or Edison and goal, and it's all fine because Bruno Fernandes is the only player that tops the ball. Absolutely, 1000%, unequivocally, this is offside to me. There is there is no way this can be considered onside, and for me, it's a reflection of those that write the rules uh, that influence our game often don't understand the nuance or the detail. And the referees, they had to make the decision based on the rule? It's a stupid rule. And unfortunately, this cost Manchester City um, the opportunity to point at Old traffic.
4: Right, let's look at um, the aforementioned uh, Liverpool. Struggling a wee bit of late. I've noticed your ninth um, on the table at this point We're with a couple of games in hand on uh, the play, teams that have played 20. But by and large, you are trailing the pack and you're struggling too uh, to get past Wolves. What's got to happen here?
7: It's horrible, Smithy. It truly is. Uh, the game against Brighton on the weekend where Liverpool went down 3-0 was the worst match of Jurgen Klopp's tenure, in my opinion. It was a, a really hard watch they were so poor defensively they do not look anywhere near cohesive or even explosive as you'd expect them to be under crop in the midfield and then there's a potency up top that has never existed under crop terrain so this was the lowest point and you're right it's costing them in terms of the position on the Premier League table Um, They're struggling and causing themselves even more grief by creating more games and having to go and play Wolves in an FA FA Cup replay, but the big thing for me, Smithy, is this could potentially be impacting their recruitment, not only in the January window, but also at the end of the year. And when we talk about recruitment, there is one player that we are talking about with Liverpool. It's been obvious the players themselves have been recruited and while they've been in the England camp, They've made noise about how they want to go and invest in a superstar to elevate them to the next uh, stage. They've got to compete with the likes of Manchester City who go out and buy Haaland. And that player is, of course, jude Bellingham. And apparently it's one of two options for Bellingham at the moment. It's either Liverpool or Real Madrid. And after the performances over the last month, I would say that Liverpool are a distant second to Real Madrid at the moment. And it's going to need to be a miracle to secure Duke Bellingham's signature, who I think is going to be a superstar over the next 10 to 12 years. So Klopp needs to get it together. He needs to, um, I think, rules a bit of an iron fist over the next couple of weeks, and he needs to back the players that are going to get in performances, because this could either be a blip in the season in which they really make a, a case to run down a uh, Champions League spot, or this could be complete unbundling uh, of Liverpool, which is what we saw at Bruce Dortmund at the end of Klopp's tenure
4: um just finally uh jacob uh, we're mentioning women's football football before in terms of uh, the women's phoenix of course but uh the united states women's team come here the highest profile i think uh, over the years women's football team in the world uh they've got matched uh, the first match wednesday at sky stadium but um uh, it doesn't look like uh the football fans coach uh J- clover is um has named a very, very strong squad. Is is that a worry for you? Is there a possibility of some blowouts here which won't do women's football in this country a favour?
5: I think when we're
7: looking at this, and just to explain it for your listeners, so these two matches have been organised outside of FIFA's international window, and what that really means is that um, New Zealand football cannot call upon the players that have club football at the moment. In England and Scotland, and in Australia. Um, so what we've had to do is basically rely on who's available, who they can get releases from club football for, and then also call upon some local players um, with our National League not currently playing. And that has meant that we have had to put together some players that haven't played international football before up against um, the perennial favourites in the US women's national team. They've won gold medals at the Olympics. They've won gold medals at the World Cup. Uh, and they've brought down a very strong team. So that's wonderful for our football in public. But you're right, it does pose a bit of a question. There'll be some anxiety about what happens on the field. And there is potential for it to impact the brand leading into the World Cup as well. Um, in terms of the players that we can see on the pitch, there's the likes of Becky Sarabon, who's been a wonderful servant for the U.S. national women's team. Um, we've got Trinity uh, Rodman who is Dennis Rodman's daughter she is electric down the wing uh, and then Alex Morgan um, just a goal scoring machine for the US uh, up top and she'll be leading the line um, so uh, it's going to be wonderful to see uh, those players on our turf. Um, there's a question about how we will go but there's also I think um, an ability for us to potentially bring to life some players that could play professional football and that's Potentially something that the Bains of Phoenix are looking at next year. If we're not getting um, results out of our players at the moment, are there alternatives? And the likes of Taylor O'Brien and Devin Jackson and Rebecca Lake, who play for Eastern Suburbs and um, Canterbury United, they might do well in these games. And they could stand up and say, hey, I'm deserving of professional football, which is what we will hope to see. But positively, Smithy, what we are hearing is that both games at Sky Stadium and up at Eden Park, um, there will be strong crowds. So this speaks to the level of interest in not only women's football in this country, but also um, the World Cup, which we've got starting to bear down us like a wave, and it's fantastic to be able to talk about that uh, in 2022.
4: Jacob Spoonley, always great to catch up with you, and we'll do it again very shortly. Thanks, mate. All the best.
1: Lovely. Cheers, Willie brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed
2: in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Talk back time with Smithy. Call
7: now 0800 150 811.
4: Yep, 0800 150 811 is uh, your opportunity uh, in the next uh, 15 to 20 minutes to, to give us a call if you like and uh, talk about uh, anything that you've uh, noticed in the, over the weekend of sport or uh, since New Year or uh, even longer than that. Uh, interesting time for the Black Caps uh, going through a transitioning phase, really. Haven't uh, spoken to you since uh, the, uh, well, I'll say the, the demise of, or was it his choice, Kane Williamson as the test captain? Uh, staying on as the one-day captain. Wonderful victory, actually, to beat uh, Pakistan in Pakistan. First time, I think, for uh, over 40 years we've been able to win a series of any sort on Pakistan soil, so credit uh, to the uh, Black Caps there. Uh, what did you make of uh, the captaincy, too, of uh, Tim Salvey? Um Always uh, interesting now uh, when you have uh, a long-term captain, uh, and you have a new one coming across, Tim Salvey, who's been around the scene for a long time, but not as captain, trying to do uh, for New Zealand cricket, what Pat Cummins is doing for Australian cricket. So interesting to uh, hear your thoughts on those. A uh, bit of a downtime for uh, our rugby players. Uh, the golf uh, PGA just heating up again in the new year. Plenty to talk about. Uh, Cliffy from Dunedin. Good morning to you, sir. Happy New Year.
8: Yeah, happy New Year to you, Smithy. Nice to nice to hear you back. Nice to hear that you're going to be hanging around. Uh, yeah, shame about Sky. I think it's just just the way it is. I was talking to a another guy who worked this guy in the in the footy game, the rugby side, and he, he was he was let go. I just think sometimes they don't look at the real people that have got the real background. They it's just who you are at the time, I think, sometimes, isn't it?
0: You know?
4: It is. But, um in my in my case, um you know that there was Uh, a situation where I perhaps um, could have stayed on and and, um, done some stuff for them. Uh, But I I just, uh, in the end, uh, I wanted to make a clean break myself. I just, um, as I said, I've found commentating cricket again, particularly on the World Cup and and then in Australia, rejuvenating Cliff. So, you know, at at my tender old age, uh, you don't get uh, too many options and you don't get too many... um, uh, chances uh, to, to take a new direction So I'm, I'm happy to be able to do that So uh, they're good people yeah. uh, There's a lot of great people at Sky They work very, very hard And they produce a good product So uh, I wish them all the very yeah. best But yep, life's, like, as you say It's a changing face on sport in this country And the way it uh, is to be brought to you
8: Yeah, no, I, I, I watched you on uh, cricket in Australia I thought you certainly... Uh, Lifted the game for them. I mean, they're an interesting group too. Um, The cricket cricket at the moment, it's a a bit of a hard listen about New Zealand cricket. I think they react. They're not progressive. Uh, With the Bolt business, to me, if Bolt didn't want to sign a contract, that was fair. It gave it to someone else. You don't have to play for New Zealand because you've got a contract. There'll be guys that are picked that might not even be on the contracted list. So to me, saying that Bolt shouldn't play test cricket possibly because he's not a contracted player is, is a bit of an out. He's the best bowler we've got. So to me, if he's available, he plays. I mean, at the resting uh, Saudi and Williamson in this Indian uh, 20 series, uh, you know, the, the, the captain and the vice captain or the past captain are both not playing. So to me, if they can have guys come in and out. To me, the Bolt's in the same position. If he's the best player and he's the form player, he's still in form and he's the, the guy that to do it, you, you play him. That's no doubt in my
4: mind. It. Yeah, that's the way I look at it too. If he's available and he's keen, and that's the thing. He's got to be dedicated. He's got to want to do it. There's no point uh, picking a guy who uh, wants to come back for the test match fee, but his heart and soul isn't in it. And that's not what test cricket is all about. Uh, Cliff, his, his life is taking, uh, like uh, we've just been talking about uh, myself, actually, he's changed a changed direction and he's looking at other um, things to do now and, and certainly maximise what he can do as his uh, fitness and, and his physical side of him comes towards the end of his career. So I, I don't blame him for that. I, I really don't blame him for that. But um, as you say, uh, it would be nice to have uh, Southie and Bolt opening up for us, wouldn't it?
8: Oh, definitely. Yeah, you I know, look at the Australian side. Most of their top players don't play Twenty League. You know, they've got the money, or well, whether they've got the money to give to their top players like Smith and Lava, Shane and them, so that they don't go and play in these other leagues. They're always available. They have a very good side in their Test and in their one day team, and then their Twenty Twenty side is can be quite different. And that's a thing that we've got to go down that road. We need it. 2020 coach we need uh, a completely basically different side maybe one or two players maybe the spinners could still play in the twenty twenty team but to me that 2020 side has to be quite different um, to give to give the test team the best uh, strength in its side they don't want guys playing 2020 too much and swapping from one to the other you know if we send a team away and they play test matches, they see the test match side, and then the, the other team comes in behind them and plays the 20s. But, you know, test match players can play 50s, but I don't think many of them should be playing 20s. What do you reckon?
4: No, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, and that's the way uh, it is, is starting to trend. I, I really, you know, I, I can, I can, I'm concerned. I talked to a lot of people, Cliff, as you well know, in, in the cricket side of things over the last... Uh, six to eight weeks of, of doing a World Cup and then, of course, uh, uh, doing um, you know, some uh, cricket for Fox, doing some test matches for Fox. Uh, the future of test cricket is a big, big issue that uh, a lot of people are thinking about now and who will actually play test cricket in the future uh, and whether we'll be involved. Um, you know, we'll, uh, it'll be India. Uh, India will play what India want to play and that'll get a lot of support. Uh, the Ashes will stay for quite some time and let's hope it never goes. Um, and and then you look at um, the West Indies and and South Africa and uh, the way they performed, which was very poor against Australia, you wonder about the depth of Test cricket in, in certain countries. So we have to be have to be very careful, be on our metal. Uh, we have to make sure that uh, when we front up, we're pretty strong. Um, otherwise, um, you know, we're we we're, we're going to be in trouble. And and uh, we need to make sure that our results are very strong. We went from being the world test champion to I think uh, at the moment we sit second last on the table and miles and miles away from even being close to being part of it this year with uh, losses to um, some sides that uh, really um, you know uh, are sides that uh, we should have beaten and would have beaten over the years. Cliff thanks very much for your call and interesting indeed. Uh, what have we got next Logan? Uh, you and me mate, you and me. It's been a while. <laughs>
0: Yeah. It's been a while. Uh, Definitely have, like everyone else that has text through or Cliff calling through, appreciate the call, Cliff. Enjoyed watching you uh, and listening to you with the coverage both on Fox and, of course, you did a little bit of a stint uh, with the as well with uh, Waitley and the crew. How did you find it over there? How did
4: you find commentating Big Bash? Uh, Big Bash is interesting. It's an entirely different style of commentary. Uh, You sort of sit back in a group of three and you just chat, uh, and the game goes on out the window. Uh, some people don't like it, some people love it. They think it's fantastic. Um, so, uh, look, um, it depends who you work with, and, and um, the focus on them, but they've got a great uh, a great nucleus, a great uh, team of commentators across the board there. They get uh, current players in if they can, they get former players, of course. They've got one or two specialist broadcasters just to throw into the mix. So they um, they do it very, very well, and they put a lot of resources into it. There is a There is a a big school of thought though um logan that that says it's too long season's too long um i think uh, game 43 last night and season 12 game 43 so they're looking at perhaps cutting it back uh to a much more abbreviated season and that was one of the reasons why they had trouble with their free-to-air broadcaster channel 7. channel 7 were were thinking that it's way way too long um and of course the, the more the longer it goes on um the more it costs across the board uh so There'll be that sort of it in there, but uh, they'll come back the other way and say, well, okay, um, season's less in terms of duration, less games, less pay, uh, you know. Uh, so it'll, it'll be a, a bit of a balance there in, in that regard. But Big Bash commentary, entirely different to um, any other style of commentary that uh, that I've done, really.
0: And then on the other end of that, of course, you're doing test cricket. MCG Boxing Day tests, uh, to me personally, I don't know if they're gets much better than that other than, you know, commentating that Lord's not something that I, I would ever do. You've you've done it, mate. But you got to st- stand alongside Brian
4: Lara as well during that
0: West Indies series. How was that?
4: Yeah, Brian Lara is someone I hadn't uh, got to know uh, really that well. I, I, I played against him right at the end of my career and the start of his, really. But uh, Brian Lara is Brian Lara, and he is the prince, uh, known as the prince in, in cricketing terms. Uh, I watched them bat, they used him in a a net session against Rashid Khan. It was absolutely fantastic to watch him play uh, Rashid Khan for five minutes in a net. Um, Brian Lara, I think is 53, 54 years of age, had lost nothing, absolutely nothing. In fact, of the West Indies batsmen I saw on show against Australia in the Test Series, by far the best and most accomplished looking West Indies batsman was Brian Lara over the course of the summer. Uh, he still hasn't lofted he plays uh, lost he plays in uh, some legends cricket some experienced uh, you know uh, the old timers cricket and is an absolute standout as you would imagine uh, and has now decided that he wants to be a commentator uh, and he's he will be a very good commentator Brian Lara so that was fantastic absolutely fantastic
0: well I'm sure we'll get to catch up a bit more Smithy but we also have Nick on the line who no doubt
4: wants to catch up with you come in Nick
9: Good morning gentlemen how's it going?
4: Good day, Nick. Good, good morning. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, likewise,
9: Smitty. I was actually up your way on the weekend at a wedding in Havelock. Didn't make my way to church, but uh, it was very good up there. Um, well, so the blanket, funny, funny. I, thought, sh- sh-
4: I was just going to say, I you went go. to a wedding in a wedding in Havelock over the, the weekend as well. So didn't didn't catch up with you, but um, there you go. It was my son's <coughs> wedding, so we had a, a great time. Where was your wedding?
9: It was at uh, the Peelanga Estate there.
4: Oh, and, lovely! Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was bloody
9: good. It was bloody good. It was very. It was, it was pretty wet. About to be honest, up there the apples looked good. Not much else though. But um, no, yeah, this, the black cat.
4: This, the yep. black
9: cat. Tim Saudi. Tim Saudi's captaincy. I was. I couldn't work out. I was so baffled. Like just in general, the last two years, how they how they've been using Neil Wagner, and then Tim Saudi in that first test. It was just bizarre. I just didn't understand why he was on the park. It was like a total didn't trust in the bowl was it I found it quite strange I don't really know why he he sort of it out given his record and and what he's done wrong but but anyway the second the second test obviously we were we were unlucky we had the better of that and, you know the one day series I think um, showed that we were the better side. it's interesting to see just completely different Kane Williamson with the bat over there since the captaincy went in the test matches I don't know if that uh, he'll probably never say it is but I wonder if that related um but um, I completely agree with you saying about the, the, you know, going forward. If we want to be involved in chess matches and play more than two a year, then we definitely need to be cleaning up things like Pakistan, even in their own conditions. But uh, also, lastly, just on the big bash and uh, Aussie summer in general, um, that's like I fell in love with cricket watching, you know, watching those sorts of series in the. In the you know, early two thousands with their great teams, and part of that was like the learning with all the commentary, and it was it was bloody good to have you a part of it. And I thought you did a great job.
4: Uh, Nick, thank you very much for that. It was the time of my life in terms of recent commentary. I've got to say they were uh, brilliant to work with. Uh, every single one of those uh, men and women that you work on air with uh, have been absolutely superb, and uh, behind the side, uh, behind the team, uh, the behind team is just unbelievable I, 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 when uh, when we get a moment or two um, in the next couple of days we, I'll, ta- I'll tell you a, a little bit about working for Fox and just how, how big a production it is and how dedicated they are to uh, cricket coverage in Australia and the good news is they've got it through into uh, 2031 which is phenomenal news for uh, cricket followers but also for those that uh, work within the industry over there uh, Hey Nick, thanks very much for your call uh, we've got a, a spare minute here uh, we've got to go to a break. So uh, thank you very much um, uh, to those people that called in. Stephen, we'd love to hear from you tomorrow. Um, and it was um, interesting nick those points. I don't know if uh, Neil Wagner, the bowler, is going to be the same bowler under the captaincy the, of Tim South as he was a brilliant bowler and tactician uh, against Kane Williamson. I certainly hope so. We need Neil Wagner. We certainly do, particularly without Trent Bolt. We'll be back soon. Well I've really missed uh, talking to the various correspondents we have uh, on the panel so it's great to get back uh, into it and we start uh, very strongly this morning with Jamie Wall uh, of course and Aidan McLaughlin, Aiden McLaughlin out of my neck of the woods so great to have uh, both you guys uh, back on board and uh, Happy New Year belatedly to you both. Uh, gentlemen I'll start with you Jamie, uh, T20 cricket uh, of course it's uh, huge at the moment on all our channels Chris Cairns has suggested that maybe two Kiwi sides should join the Big Bash. Uh, is it an idea worth pursuing in your mind, Jamie?
10: Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Great to be talking with you again. And um, morning, Aidan. Uh, is it? I I was thinking about this long and hard on the drive-in drive this morning, uh, and I can kind of see pros and cons of of both both sides of the argument. Um because I mean, really, at the at the way T20 cricket is at the moment, you can probably, if you had the money, uh, manage to put together a franchise and and stack a team up with kind of whoever you whoever you really want, um, because there are no really re- any sort of regulations about. Um, I don't think New Zealand cricket would have any be come down too hard on on how many New Zealanders you'd need the team. So you could stack it up with some some big name players. And the way that T20 works now is that they're those guys aren't really out outside of uh, the realms of possibility. Um, would they be competitive? Uh, I, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, New Zealand is obviously a cricketing country that has quite a big home ground advantage. You know, due to the pitches and conditions that that we play in, so that would that would perhaps play into our favour. Uh, and t Twenty, of course, has a lot of variables in it that do do favour, you know, teams going in anyway. The, the one thing I would question, though, about the wisdom of, of, of such a such a move is whether you'd be making the same kind of errors that that Super Rugby did, in which uh, the, the way that it would solve um, uh, the interest levels dropping in it is to simply add more teams. Um, and you see, you see, you can see what's happened to all of the Super Rugby teams that the the first ones, uh, sorry, the last ones, in were also the first ones out when it came to the. The head on the chopping block and it would it would you'd, you'd be taking quite the risk and uh, in, in a sporting environment in New Zealand that uh, any sport here really struggles to get um, new new customers or new new eyes on screens and bums on seats so I, I can see pros and cons in both.
4: Aidan what are your thoughts on it?
5: Yeah, Morning Smithy and morning Jamie happy new year to you both and um, I think it's always worth listening to to ideas if they if they come on the table. Uh, personally, I think that this one I think we're, we're, we're pretty good the way we're set at the moment. Um, is the domestic T20 competition we've got at the moment the Super Smash is it perfect? No, uh, I don't think anything's perfect. But I think the great thing about it is that it is a New Zealand competition um, and it's organised in the interest of New Zealand cricket. I think if we start uh, potentially going down the the route of uh, entering uh, an Australian competition uh, then our influence is diluted and uh, what what's our motivation is it purely money is it uh, is it p- potentially to uh, expose our players to other players from a different country so that they may improve maybe there's some, some something in that but I, I quite like it as it is it's um, at this time of year it's a good competition it's spectator friendly times It's TV-friendly times. It develops our domestic players. Uh, And for the women, actually for the women players, uh, which this doesn't seem to be aimed at, uh, it's pretty good because they already play in the Big Bash because the Big Bash is is scheduled before our our own domestic competition. So um, always worth listening just in case there are some good ideas out there. But on balance, I think we're good as we are.
4: My personal belief, excuse me, so, we we might not be good enough if we just send our players, Aiden, excuse me. So, we might have to uh, recruit.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's, it, is the, I, I actually like watching our, our domestic competition over the Big Bash. Um, and some people have questioned why that is, uh, because perhaps the quality isn't as good as the Big Bash, and I, I take that on board. But equally, I would rather watch um, a domestic competition with domestic players that I'm actually invested in. Um, It doesn't really, you know, I used to watch the Big Bash quite a bit uh, in the early years, and I've drifted away from it over the years, and I've drifted more towards the Super Smash, not because I think it's a better quality and there are better players, but because it's of more interest to me and what... I want to watch from a New Zealand cricket perspective. But, no, I mean, yeah, would we be competitive? I think, I think the, the, the point that was out there would be that we probably wouldn't see, if it was Auckland and Canterbury, which I think are the names that Chris Cairns suggested, for example, if it was those two teams, then they wouldn't be those two teams as we see them now. They would be more of a franchise basis where you'd be taking players in, potentially from Australia and other countries, just like those Big Bash teams do at the moment. So um, I think the teams would potentially be different anyway, but no, I take your point, your point about domestically we might not be good enough anyway.
4: Oh, totally, uh, that is a big point I think that you have to consider. Right, uh, let's uh, change tack if we can, uh, Jamie, to look at the breakers. Uh, possibility that they were looking at a top two finish, but went down uh, to the Cairns Taipans. Uh, so how do you see them sitting this 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 far into the competition?
10: Oh, well, it's definitely not a loss that they'd, they'd want, but it's not going to kill their chances. They have looked very good uh, this year and it's great to see them back and, you know, back where we want to, want the breakers to be, you know, because uh, they are a team that has enjoyed a great deal of success. You know, the one team uh, that's based in New Zealand that has uh, enjoyed great success in an Australian competition and um, they've, they've dipped off over the last few years. Obviously, COVID didn't help. Um and to see them back and perhaps in contention for a title is uh, is really good uh I think that's what that's three three losses in a row though you know coming up to the the business end of the season um it might it, it this might impact their ability to host a um a home semi final, which would be a pretty big blow uh considering that uh the amount of support they're getting i think they had. Seven thousand, um, which is about as many as you can fit into um, Spark Arena there in, in, in Auckland, uh, which is amazing, really. Like for a team of uh, that is playing, um, you know, not one of the main sports in New Zealand, um, to be pulling that sort of crowd, they they should be very happy with that. Uh, but they would be desperate to get that crowd on their side, you know, when the crunch comes on and when they need them um, in that final series. So. Um, here's hoping they can <clears throat> they can shake off whatever's been ailing them. They, they did have a big road trip. I mean, I'll give them that, uh, that they needed to kind of get over. But um, they need to really s- sort of knuckle down and, and take what they've learned over these, over those losses. Um, I mean, the one, the one good thing is, is that they'll be close. You know, they haven't been blown out or anything. Uh, so, um, you know, here's hoping they can they can just right the ship and, and come right at the right end of the season.
4: Jamie Wall with us this morning as is Aidan McLaughlin. We'll take a, a short break and uh, have some news with Araha when we come back. Uh, we'll look at uh, the disappearing sevens out of Hamilton. Uh, the tennis um, uh, a review of what it was like in New Zealand and of course the Aussie Open starts today in Australia. Big talk,
1: big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah. Mm.
4: Jamie Wall and Aidan McLaughlin with us this morning as our panelists. And uh, Aidan McLaughlin, let's look at uh, the tennis, if we can, first of all, locally. Uh, the ASB Classic is done and uh, fantastic. Uh, it seemed from the outside looking in. How did you rate the, the the fortnight of tennis and the performance of the new tournament director and Nicholas Lamparan?
5: I think Nicholas Lampardan done a, a tremendous job. Um, he inherited. A, a, you know, a tournament that had gone from success to success under Cole Budge. Cole Budge was the face of that tournament and he built up a, a great reputation uh, and he managed to get some tremendous players over uh, each year, uh, especially on the women's side of the draw. Um, so, so stepping into his shoes was, was, was no easy task and I think he's done very well. Um, I think a lot of people don't realise probably what restrictions that he has in terms of the tournament status um, you know, because of its status uh, as a as a WTA 250 event, um, he can only sign one player from the women's top 10, for example. He gets Coco Goff in, she wins the tournament. And then he's trying to, you know, orchestrate who else he can get, what other big names he can get in. He gets Emma Kanu in because she's outside the top 10, for example. So I think when you have all those balls to juggle and you have those restrictions... Um, you really earn your money as a tournament director. I think you've done a great job. Um, obviously, the weather didn't play ball, especially for the first week. It was a little bit more accommodating for the second week, um, and I think we had a great men's tournament as well. But um, I think it was—I think all things considered, it has to be considered a success. And uh, yeah, I know Jamie was there, so it'd be interesting to, to hear what he thinks about it. Yeah, Jamie, what do you make of it? About-
10: yeah, I, I, I have to agree with what Aidan said about uh, the way that it unfolded. I mean, obviously it was hampered by some really unseasonable rain up here in, in Auckland where it uh, hardly ever rains. Uh, not at this time of year anyway. Um, uh, and, of course, it ignited the debate about um, whether Stanley Street needs a roof. Um, of course, this debate is always followed up by the obvious question is who's going to pay for it. Uh, and given Auckland's Council's... Um, relationship with building sports infrastructure. I can't see that anyone writing a cheque for that anytime soon. Um, if they did move it indoors somehow, um, it would become a completely different sort of event. The whole thing is about, um, you know, sitting in the corporate boxes um, up right up next to the court. It's a very unique uh, setting for a tennis tournament. You know, you've got the, the domain right there next to you and, you know, what should be being played out in nice sunny weather uh and while well, you sip champagne there and that's why everyone enjoys going to it so i think moving the whole thing inside would would completely transform it um yeah aiden did mention um the sort of restrictions that they're under with it being a 250 uh tournament at the moment um and the changing kind of landscape of the tennis uh set up with the united cup happening over in australia at the same time which means that it might be a little bit more tricky to get big name players uh, but the one thing I, I will say uh, around the women's tournament, anyway, is your your title's only as strong as your champion. And um, the ASB Classic has had two very strong champions in the last uh, couple of times it's been held. Obviously, Coco Golf uh, won the title that was last won by Serena Williams. Um, Serena Williams, you know, in the conversation as being one of the greatest athletes of all time, and Coco Golf has the potential to go on and become uh, the new face of the face of the sport. She's only eighteen. And uh, you know if she can carry the sort of form on that we that she showed at Stanley Street into the Aussie Open, she's going to make a pretty deep run, um, and she could potentially go on and win it. Uh, So you know that's been that's a really good thing that they can take out of it. Um, It would have been really cool if Cameron Norrie had been able to uh, win the men's, um, lost in a you know pretty decent final to um, veteran Richard Gasquet, but as long as he keeps coming back as well, because, of course, then at least we can claim that there is some sort of New Zealand representation there, even though he's not officially a New Zealander anymore.
4: I mean, it, and it leads me to another question, which uh, I ask a lot and no one seems to be able to answer. Maybe you can, Jamie. Where is New Zealand tennis in terms of our own players?
10: Yeah, great question. Uh, I mean, it, 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 that's a whole blimmin' half your show we could, we could go on for about that. But, I mean, just... Briefly, I think that you know, like a lot of sports, New Zealand tennis um, suffers from a geographical issue. It's it's very difficult um, to get our players uh, out to regular, be playing regular, high, uh, decent quality opponents. I mean, you know, look, if you're based in Europe, if you if you're Cameroonian, you go base yourself in the UK. You can go anywhere in Europe within a day and, and play a tournament, and then play somewhere else in Europe and, and, and another tournament. And you're playing is really good players all the time. That's why he's so. He's been so good. Um, you know, and if you're in New Zealand, really, you, the, the tennis New Zealand just, just don't have the money. They, I mean, no one's really got any money after the last couple of years anyway. Um, and so, yeah, it's like I said, it's like the roof debate. Um, it comes down to who pays for it. Um, you know, but the, like I said, there's a lot more things going on um, behind the scenes around that one. But I will say it was pretty cool um, after the, as you know, the this, the... Other semi-final that Cam Norrie didn't play, and um, Richard Gasquet won a walkover. So uh, because his opponent pulled out with injury, so they brought out some of the young, the young kids, um, the young shining lights of, uh, of tennis in New Zealand, and, the, and it was pretty awesome to see a couple of eleven and twelve year old kids having a go on center court in front of like a really big crowd. because so, it would have been the first time they would have ever played in front of that. So I mean, all we got to do is hope. Um, otherwise we're just going to end up outsourcing our tennis talent like we did with Cam Nori because if it, if he goes on and becomes you know, a good, solid presence in the top five and, and wins an event, I'll claim him. I'm sure the rest of us will too.
4: <laughs> yeah, we might have to um, as our last resort, basically, to get to, to that level anyway. Uh, but we don't have to worry about uh, claiming uh, sort of outsiders when it comes to sevens, because we've been so damn good at it over a long period of time, Aidan. Uh, but uh, Hamilton is hosting it for the last time in the foreseeable future. Uh, how do you think we'll go at home, and uh, where perhaps do you think it might end up if it ever came back to New Zealand?
5: Yeah, I think we'll go. I think we'll go reasonably well. Um, you know, it's been what three tournaments so far. Um, second and third off the top of my head, and Samoa and South Africa uh, are just ahead of us in the in the standings. But uh, you know, generally speaking, we always go pretty well at home. I think, again, the women will go well. Um, Australia uh, will be their main competition, I'm sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think there's a possibility of, of two wins from both competitions, to be honest with you. Um, in terms of if it ever comes back here, well, it seems that the the organisers of the, the World Rugby 7 Series now um, have very specific criteria about what they want to see in a host country uh, or host city, um, so we may have some romantic ideas about where we would like it to go in New Zealand, um, but probably, if we're honest, probably the only venue, as things stand, that could could attract it back in however many years is probably Auckland. I think that's the reality. As much as we might say, oh, wouldn't it be great to have it in Dunedin or you know, grow, you know, somewhere else? Um, I think realistically, if the organisers are looking at things, Eden Park
4: is the only option. Okay, interesting. Do you see it getting back to Eden Park, Jamie?
10: Uh, I don't think so. I, I, I think that the World Rugby are, are basically just going to blow the whole concept up and, and start again. <clears throat> and I think what they're trying to model it on, which is what they to, tried to model it on all along, um, because it was originally called, the, uh, or at least known as the Grand Prix, series was on, on sort of F1 and that this is a big traveling roadshow that sort of moves from place to place uh, and, um, you know, absorbs all the attention for one weekend. Um, Sevens it kind of isn't really in a place to be doing that. I mean, there, there hasn't been a lot of chat about, about this one, even though it's the last time it's going to be held in New Zealand. But what I, I understand they're looking at is to be playing it in, in sort of big, glamorous venues. You know, you're talking about, um, you know, Hong Kong, Cape Town, Paris west coast of um, United States or or Las Vegas and then that nice new stadium they've got there Uh, you know these big and make it into a real big ticket item rather than you know the kind of just let's go get on the piss for the weekend kind of thing um, that it has it has got uh, because they they do want to cut it down to um, seven tournaments a year where that leaves um, the the All Black sevens and the Black Fern sevens is is going to be really interesting uh, because of course they are funded by not just NZ Rugby but the the government you know but they get they get Olympic um, funding uh, because it's an Olympic sport and what they're actually going to do with all of this downtime that they'll have once the tournaments get cut back and the especially for the women as well because um, they probably won't have uh, other rugby to Go back to like like the men do, um, will be quite interesting. I, I'm, I think that uh, if anything, it's going to take a bit of adjustment. Um, I think that the closest sevens tournament uh, that's going to be held in New Zealand will 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 be in Sydney. Um, I, I understand that's where they're going to be they're going to be basing the, the kind of league for this part of the world, um, and that it's going to be something we're going to be watching on TV. Um, for a while, and and also the fact that they need to change the one key issue with Sevens, which is it's supposed to be um, this short and sharp and entertaining thing that only takes up 15 minutes of your time, but in order to actually get invested in the tournament, it takes three days. Um, So you're talking about something that's being marketed as a um, uh, short-form event that's almost as long as a cricket test. So that's something they they, they really need to be looking at um, rather than just where it's being held.
4: Jamie Wall and Aidan McLaughlin have been our panellists this morning. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Um, We'll have another one uh, around 10.20 tomorrow morning. Uh, Have a great day, both of you. It is uh, 10.43 here on SNZ.
3: SNZ, it's Kiwi for Sport. Keep up to date on Twitter and Instagram at SNZ underscore radio.
1: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you
2: succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.48
4: here too on SCNZ this Monday morning, a lot of texts that have come in and uh, there's some really nice ones, uh, personal ones too, which uh, I shall read out. Jim, from Tamuka, congratulations on your career, that TV channel, uh, Smithy, uh, a fantastic journey with many highlights and memories. Happy New Year and welcome home, Jim. Absolutely, uh, and uh, I pass it back to you, back at you, man. Uh, Yeah, it's been great, a lot of fun, Um, man, work with some terrific people on some terrific events, but um time's up so we, we move on and try something else margaret uh, happy new year to you it's lovely to uh, hear you back it's lovely to be back margaret i hope uh, things are well in your life um welcome back smithy great to have you back enjoyed listening to you on fox cricket coverage their coverage of test cricket is superb cheers regards Di. you are so right there die um that is uh, their coverage is just absolutely magnificent <coughs> they uh, they don't spare a uh, uh, one cent in bringing the best possible product that they can to you in their relationship well, the Australian cricket and uh, the Australian team um, amazes me when I consider uh, access to uh, some of our sporting teams. just blows me away what uh, they are able to do. Imagine uh, bringing a camera down during the drinks break and just asking someone how his batting's going and how he feels about things. Try that over here. <clears throat> Good luck. Can Phillips open? Uh, has he ever opened the batting? Drop Finn down the order for a while till he gets comfortable. Finn Allen is a big gamble. That was, Remember, Finn Allen was the guy they dumped Martin Guptill for and said, he's our future. You are not, Guppy. Um, so Finn Allen, uh, pressure on. Uh, to me, he just doesn't come off often enough. And uh, he has to change his game a little bit, be a little bit more versatile in his thinking because it didn't take them long to work him out. Could Phillips open? Phillips could do anything, I think. He is... An absolute superstar in the game. A lot of people around the world rate him very highly. He was in the T20 World Cup uh, overall team, and it was everybody's pick in that. Uh, he's electric between the wickets. If you could develop his spin bowling, he would become a big, big IPL uh, venture, I would be thinking, Glenn Phillips. He is one we can hat, hang our hat on going forward. But, yeah, I could think he could do anything. Best players should be facing the most balls. No point in him coming in at uh, number four or five for me. Uh, welcome back, Smitty, uh, from Brendan. Love uh, seeing on the TV, watching the Big Bash. I enjoy watching it. Uh, easy time. It's easy times to watch. I was in Melbourne and made it today, two of the Boxing Day tests, sitting in that scorching heat. God, it was hot. Brendan, I pity you for that. But, wow, what a stadium. Just loved it, and TV's everywhere, so you don't miss a thing. We'll definitely go back a day, a, a, again. Uh, hopefully, New Zealand go back. I think it's two to three years, and we perform a little bit more... Creditably than we did last time Brendan so jump on that plane and head over to that one but certainly you're right it is some stadium with some atmosphere over 40 degrees out in the middle on the day too staggering that they got through it and we saw the sight of David Warner cramping up and actually in in the state of he was very distraught at one point um, and came back the next day and got out first ball but I'm not sure he had recovered from the day before hey Smithy might be a bit of a ridiculous uh, idea uh, but how about uh, getting rid of draws and test cricket? If a game is heading for a draw, should we give the game to the team who has scored the most boundaries and know that a sore topic for most of us Kiwis? We encourage more aggressive batting to closer align with the popularity of T20 cricket. Uh, I totally agree. I worked on a dead rubber draw uh, the last test in Sydney and the last day and a half complete and utter flop. So something to work on there as well. Not a stupid idea at all. As all. Uh, and it's talking about uh, people not being stupid, we certainly don't say that about Paul Mowati. He's with us next from the TAB.
2: Field, summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
4: Great to be able to talk to Paul Mowati, of course, representing the TAB. And, uh, Paul, uh, what a Monday this is because, of course, the Aussie Open starts. Uh, the NFL playoffs are in full swing. Uh, a lot of activity, I'm sure, at your place.
11: Yep, certainly is. Um, And we've got a bonus back promotion on the Bengals-Ravens game later on this afternoon. I'm just having a look at the market as we speak. Bengals' favourites there at $1.22, Ravens at $4. Bengals, no surprises. They have been very well-backed. And there's a boosted option on that game as well. Jamar Chase, 100-plus receiving yards, and at least one touchdown. That's been boosted to 5.25. That's been very well supported by punters. Just having a look at the next um, uh, game that's only just kicked off, we're into the fourth quarter. No score, Vikings-Giants. Surprisingly, the Giants, we've taken a wee bit more money on the Giants. I see the Vikings have only just scored uh, um, but pre-game. The Giants were very well backed by punters.
4: Interesting. Uh, round one of the Aussie Open is well, well, Paul, with some, some favourites up against some lesser-known players. So uh, even with multi-betting, there's money to be made there.
11: Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, and we've got a promotion on um, the Mega Multi Tennis Buster as well. Um, just check out the TAB website for all the... Um, T's and C's around that one. I'm having a look at the outright winner market for the Men's Australian Open Tournament. Uh, no surprises. Djokovic has been very, very popular. He's $1. seventy-three. The second line of betting, Neil Medvedev at $5.50. And the Aussie, Nick Kyrgios, $13. Second best back at the moment, ahead of Rafael Nadal, also at $13.
4: Paul is is always, uh, with us from the TAB. Thanks for that, Paul, and the opportunities for you to be a winner with them. Uh, of course, gamble responsibly. Uh, we shall talk uh, about the Tennis Open after 11 o'clock because we've got Brett Phillips with us. Uh, he's SEN's uh, own commentator. Uh, he's uh, working alongside uh, Aussie great Mark Woodford on their broadcast. Speak to him very shortly.
1: Grant are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field.
2: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Title number 16
4: on the ATP Tour for Richard Gasquet.
9: The 36-year-old Frenchman winds back the clock. And wins a title for the first time since 2018. And his win means the wait for an Auckland title goes on for Cam Norrie.
4: But that win did not come easy. It's Gasquet winning 4-6, 6-4, 6-4. Yes, that was the story over the weekend. Gasquet, the Frenchman, beating uh, Cameron Norrie, who's been to many parts of the world, including us, um, of course, but uh, winning that uh, in a tight uh, final. And the ASB Classic Men's Singles. And uh, of course uh, that signals that uh, it is now time to start uh, the first slam of the year. And that of course is the Australian Open, which uh, begins today. There's no deportation drama for Novak Djokovic this year. The focus is all on Melbourne. And SENZ will have live point-by-point commentary of the night sessions from 9 o'clock tonight. That's great news. Uh, 9 o'clock tonight, live point-by-point commentary. And leading that will be zone own Brent, Brett Phillips from uh, uh, over there uh, in Australia. And uh, alongside him, which is absolutely fantastic news as well, uh, is Mark Woodford, former Australian tennis great, uh, particularly alongside his great mate Todd Woodbridge. So Brett jo- joins us this morning here on SENZ. Thanks so much for your time. Busy, busy couple of uh, weeks ahead of you. Brett must be looking forward to it.
12: Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, it's uh, sort of Christmas time the next uh, two weeks. Now, look, I've done a few Australian Opens now, and look, they're always uh, a great two weeks. You're on pure adrenaline, uh, days into nights, uh, no set finish time. But you know, I was just listening to that commentary of uh, Richard winning, and he's you know had one of the best single-handed backhands I can remember in tennis. And you know, he couldn't he could meet our very own Nick Kyrgios in the second round. So we'll see how he pulls up from Auckland. But I think that was one of the great. Photos, tennis photos on the weekend. He was drowning himself in champagne, and at 36, he probably didn't think um, maybe another title was uh, going to be coming his way. And he, uh, yeah, he's one of those that you know played in the tough era, Federer and the Dal, Djokovic, Murray, where he made some semi-finals, world number seven, but tough to get in with those champions. But he's still playing and. He would have jetted to Melbourne And we're ready to go here It's a little overcast It's going to be humid 29 crowds will be heaving On the first two days And the story starts here
4: It does start here And of course it's a different story uh, This time around With uh, all sorts of uh, things being lifted In terms of COVID restrictions uh, And uh, of course that also means uh, Novak Djokovic uh, can turn up And play this hour Without any of the drama Of uh, last time around uh, How do you think Novak uh, Is going to go here?
12: Well, he deserves to start favourite. I mean, it's it's just been an interesting watch in the last week because he played in Adelaide, he won Adelaide, and he did have a bit of a, a, little, a little bit of a hamstring scare, if you want to call it. He came to Melbourne. He's been here all week. He had a practice hit out with Medvedev on Wednesday. He pulled up a little short in that. He's got a bit of taping there. He had a little sort of hit and giggle, if you like, with uh, Nick Kyrgios. Uh, just do uh, on it a few cobwebs on uh, Friday night. More entertaining for the fans. So. It's rare that Novak sort of comes into a major with an injury. There's, but There's been plenty of times across the journey that he's incurred an injury and somehow played through and, and won the seven matches and lifted a trophy. So it's an interesting watch. Uh, but look, I look at his draw, you know, first round, second round. Dimitrov in the third round would be interesting if Gregor got through. He's still a very decent player. Maybe our very own Alex Dimonor. In, uh, in round four. And then there's, you know, that quarterfinal potential matchup with uh, Kyrgios. But Kyrgios is going to get through, you know, a couple of players to get to that point. So he deserves to be favourite. There's no el as the world number one, of course. But I think even if Carlos was here, because Novak's won it nine times, he does have a love affair here. He loves playing on these hard courts at Melbourne Park that he's going to be the man to beat if he's fit and healthy.
4: On the subject of uh, Kyrgios... Is it now or never for Nick? I mean, you know, his tennis form has actually been okay, but we all know what his personality personality is like, and of course, being at home more pressure than uh, elsewhere around the world. What about the fortnight ahead, possibly for Nick?
12: Yeah, I, I think the way I the way I'd sum it up is when someone has that much talent. I mean, this is this is freakish sublime talent you always think as a you know whether you're a tennis analyst whether you're a tennis fan and it would just be a shame if he didn't lift one of the four biggest trophies in tennis for the talent that he's got but you know as we know that only gets you so far i mean you've got to dial in mentally to win seven grueling matches best of five differing conditions you know you might play on a 29 degree day a 38 degree day in the middle of the day So that's always been the question mark with Nick, and it will remain the question mark until he wins one. Now, certainly last year was more encouraging. He seems more dialed in. He's got the game face on. I think he's got uh, some good solid people around him. It hasn't always been that way. It's been a bit chaotic behind the scenes. You know, girlfriend that's uh, right in his corner, his manager, who's, um, you know, just keeping everything in check because there's a lot of requests for Nick and to be here, there and everywhere. But if he can just play tennis... He hasn't played a lead-up match, but if there's one guy that can sort of come off a limited prep, it is Kyrgios because he's got the 200-kilometre-plus serve that's going to be hard to break. It's so whether he can return well. Um, we'd love the Djokovic-Kyrgios quarterfinal, but, yeah, Nick's got to jump a few hurdles, and, yeah, that pressure of playing at home, I suppose, yeah, does exist for a lot of athletes.
4: Well, you've got a, a fairly high-profile Australian in action tonight uh, on your first match that you're calling uh, for us, in particular, too, over here was. John Melman uh, up against uh, Swiss Mark andrea Husler, Both unseeded. Yeah. Um, but how do you think that'll go?
12: Well, we love Johnny. He um, He's just blue-collar. What a career. I mean, we don't know quite what's ahead. We know what he's achieved. There's a little bit of unknown of what's left. This is the first year in four years that he's dipped outside the top 100. It took him seven years to get inside the top 100. That'd be a good Netflix stock, Smitty, on just the journey of John Millman because he's played at every level. He's been through injury. He sits on the player council. He's got a fair opinion and a fair say. He's not. He's got as, as much talent in his whole body as Nick's got on, Nick has got. Nick Kyrgios has got on his little finger. But he gets every bit out of himself. And those are the most annoying guys to play because they make you play an extra ball, an extra ball. You wish Johnny had that killer shot. I mean, he's not absolutely at his sharpest, I'll say that. He's on show court three tonight. I think they give jelly babies to everyone in the crowd there because they just whipped themselves into a frenzy. And whatever that's worth, if it's worth 5%, that can get Johnny inspired, he's up against a talented young man who's, well, now becoming the face of Swiss tennis, if you like, because Federer's gone, is in the twilight at 37, this guy's ranked 50, husler left-hander, difficult to play, but we're hoping Johnny can, you know, wring everything out of himself and maybe win a couple of matches in what possibly... Would be his last, you know, Australian Open.
4: Brett, your minutes before a hit up between uh, with Medvedev and uh, Djokovic. You've got Medvedev and uh, your next match on Rod Laver Arena tonight, up against uh, American Marcos Giron. Medvedev's yeah. prospects in the next fortnight.
12: Up against Quadzilla. Uh, you know, I get <laughs> a look at those quads, or are big quads. But you know, this guy, uh, this guy's not a bad player. Actually, he's taken. Some really good scalps in the last 12 months. Some decent players and uh, college uh, product out of the US. Yeah, Medvedev, um, look, he's a fascinating guy, Daniil. He's got a high IQ. He's a bit quirky. Plays very unorthodox. It took him to world number one. Didn't have a great Grand Slam year last year. I mean, had to miss Wimbledon like all the Russian players and you know, obviously made that final in Melbourne, losing to Nadal. But the French wasn't great. The US wasn't great. He only won two titles for a guy of his standard. So he's dropped back in the pack. So and he's become a dad, bit going on. So I'm keen to see how dialed in he is over the next uh, the next fortnight. So he, I mean, he could look, he could run into a guy like Sebastian Quarter in the third round, and Quarter's just come off, you know, being runner-up to Djokovic in Adelaide, and a huge uh, talent uh, from that great sporting family, the Quarters. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm not sure about Medvedev this tournament. Um, I, I feel like there's something else he needs to add to his game just a couple more tricks, I reckon, because this game keeps evolving and players, uh, you know, keep finding a way um, to expose those high-level players who sometimes can be maybe a little one-dimensional. But, it you know, it's, it's served him well, but I think he's, it's not going to maybe um, serve him well forever.
4: On the women's side of the draw, Brett, um, it's – It's, uh, I think, a real opportunity for someone this time around. No Ash Barty, of course, uh, leaving the game a lot earlier than a lot of uh, tennis fans would have wanted, but that has been the case. No Halep, out with a drug suspension. Uh, Naomi Osaka announcing she's pregnant, as as Angelique Kerber, so they won't be part of uh, this year's uh, first major or first Grand Slam. Uh, I can't pick a winner in the women's. Is is there a real opportunity for someone here to make a name?
12: Well, there's there's sort of a – this is how the conversation would go for me. We've got a – I mean, the world number one is Iga Svjantek. And, I mean, she's a star. She's come off an incredible year. Um, So she's about 5,000 points clear in the rankings. So Iga's there, and then then there's there's the big pack. And it's a big, big pack, and it's really hard to pick. I mean, since Serena won – her last one in two we've had 13 different champions in the last five years. And if you look through those names, I would never have been able to sit here on the opening Monday of a slam and pick that uh, Raducanu, Kuchikova, Kenan, uh Ostapenko, we're going to win majors uh, right back in her at Wimbledon last year. So I think uh, if, if Coco Goff, who won in Auckland to start the year, and if she... Can get through to a quarterfinal with eager they're on the same side of the draw that would be fascinating um because i think coco's better place than what she was at the french open last year um to to maybe take the sviontech scalp so eager i think deserves favoritism i think danny the big hitters are the ones that i reckon we just put a little asterisk Danielle collins finalist last year madison Keys, semi-finalist last year good form at the united cup petra kavitov looked okay strikes a good ball uh, Belinda Bencic has just won Adelaide. It's, she's due to go deeper into an Australian Open. And always watch out for her, the finest product to ever come out of Little Estonia, and that's Kaya Kanepi. Now, she's made the quarterfinals of every major. She's 37. But she hits the ball that hard. If it stays inside the tram lines, which can be a bit hit and miss, she's tough to beat. So I'll just throw those names up, but eager, and then throw a blanket over uh, a big stack of players.
4: Uh, CEO um, Craig Tiley, uh, how's uh, he he put it all together this year? You're confident of a great fortnight. Yeah,
12: it feels normal. That, that's for sure. The Novak's here. There's no COVID restrictions. The site looks absolutely brilliant. It's uh, you know it's the biggest Grand Slam site out of the four uh, because we're you know because of the relationship that uh, Tennis Australia formed with the Victorian government here. So you you get off in the heart of Melbourne at Flinders Street Fed Square. That whole journey to Melbourne Park there's sort of you know there's the the tennis precinct and then there's the the entertainment precinct around the tennis precinct so there's plenty of people to me they never even get in and watch a ball they love going Mm -hmm. to the Australian Open grab a few drinks watch the big screen watch a couple of bands play and they're part of the tennis so they've set it up uh, absolutely brilliantly and there's space it's you know right on the doorstep of the CBD as you know the players love it from an access point of view and uh, we'll, uh, we'll see if you know the crowd which I thought Got out of control a little bit last year. I think, you know, particularly the Kyrgios Kogonakis sort of supporters. Uh, hopefully the etiquette will be sort of kept in check a little bit this year. That's the only thing I think uh, needs to just improve a bit. But, yeah, uh, that's, yeah, we're, we're pulling straws.
4: And you're alongside, not that you're not an icon yourself, but you're alongside an icon in terms of uh, Mark Woodford. Uh, his thoughts will be really interesting.
12: <laughs> yeah, he's been part of our coverage um, for the last few years. Wealth of knowledge, um no, looking forward to Mark. We're going to have many voices coming in across the next fortnight. Former players and you know, great tennis journalists who live and breathe the tour. So we'll get a real mix of voices into our coverage. Uh, I love doing the tennis on the radio. Um, there's, it's you know, I mean, this is a great part about SCN. Is you know, Smithy, we've got live sport going on. Whatever you know, even if, if tennis is not your absolute fancy, hopefully we'll bring you the theatre and the excitement across uh, the next fortnight.
4: I was just watching, too, uh, before I left Australia and then came home, a lot of coverage. Is it now the United Cup? Was that used to be the Hopman Trophy?
12: Yeah, so the Hopman Cup became the ATP Cup and then became the United Cup. So there's been a bit of change in that regard. But, yeah, it's sort of like the old Hopman Cup, men and women together. But this time around, there were actually rankings points and and a huge differential in prize money. So, yeah, a bit of tinkering. Um, I think it's here to stay. And it is great to see the men and the women actually come together, which they love. So the players embraced it. It didn't necessarily get full stadiums um, outside of the Australian matches. So they've got to work on how they sell that. Um, but, yeah, it'll uh, it'll be here to stay for a little while. Hopefully that'll sort of uh, bed itself down. But I don't know if you heard the news on the weekend about the Davis Cup, which uh, is an absolute basket case now. And if the people can take the Davis Cup back because the ITF have cut their 25 year agreement with this Cosmos group who tried to turn it into a World Cup of tennis. It's been an absolute disaster. And hopefully we can get back to having home and away ties all around the world because that that's what made the Davis Cup.
4: And on differing surfaces too.
12: Correct. Yep. Correct. Differing surfaces. Uh, you know, that ability and, and best of five. It was up there, you know, as the pinnacle alongside the Grand Slams. And the players loved it. They love any opportunity to represent their country. But you want, you want ten or 15,000 in your corner, not going to Malaga in Spain where you've got a little cheer squad of Aussie supporters. I mean, it just mm. absolutely ruined the Davis Cup, uh, the ITF, the oldest standing team competition in the world. Sometimes, you know, the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix it. And, this, and that was exactly the case.
4: Yeah, that saying's changed, hasn't it? If it ain't broke, we, we have to fix it. I, I don't get it. I, I see that in cricket often as well. Hey, Brett, yep. uh, have a, a great fortnight. Hopefully we'll get the opportunity uh, to talk to you uh, again before uh, it, uh, it all completely unfolds. If you had to go, just if you had to go uh, a winner on each side in the singles, <laughs> could, could you perhaps nominate us one? Because we do have, uh, like, the odd punt on this show. Yeah. Oh, look,
12: you know, I'd be going out on a limb. You know, I feel like, how can you go past Novak? Uh, the way he finished last year... And he's eyeing the most grand slam titles and he knows the clock is ticking 36 this year he's got to get in before these young bucks really uh get red mm-hmm. hot so i'm going uh, i'm going jokovic and an, an eager level was that good last year it was mind-blowing so i know i'm going the two absolute hot favorites but um yeah nothing else is convincing me that that's not going to be the case at this stage
4: good on you um Small Fisher Suite, so I'd be happy to be on those if they won them. Brett uh, Phillips, have a, a great fortnight, of course. We shall be listening to, to them, of course, you will know that, on this side of the Tasman as well, and enjoy the experience. Once again, I know you've done plenty, but uh, it makes an old man young, doesn't it, uh, the big events?
12: <laughs> no, indeed. Great to chat, in. Talk soon.
4: Cheers, cheers, Brett Phillips there, uh, our SEN brother, uh, who is uh, working, uh, he will be very, working overtime too, because some of, as he mentioned, there is no time frame on some of those matches. Uh, he could be working uh, well after midnight Australian time on uh, when the second one or the second one goes for five sets. Uh, he's going to be a tired boy working alongside uh, Mark Woodford and uh, uh, other Australian and, and world <coughs> tennis uh, greats as well in uh, SEN's commentary team. Should be fantastic. It's 11.20 here on SENZ. Uh, we shall be back shortly. Needs
2: to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in our Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
4: Well, if you're an NFL fan, this is your time of the year, no doubt about that. And there are some terrific wild card games, playoff games going on at the moment. Uh, of course, yesterday, the 49ers, who are warming to be one of the preferred teams, they uh, overcame the Seahawks in a high scoring match 41 uh, 23. Um, uh, earlier this morning the Bills against the Dolphins now everyone thought that the Bills would run over the Dolphins without any problem at all they were behind on several occasions had to come back and finally got up just by the skin of their teeth 34-31 as we speak the Giants are playing the Vikings Uh, it's been a pretty high scoring first quarter with uh, three touchdowns already the Giants are leading 14-7 with a minute to go in that Uh, and how about how about the Chargers and the Jaguars? There's always room for upsets in sport, but this was an interesting one, Logan.
0: Oh, I love this. You'd think being up 27-0 that the Chargers would go on to win, but no, not as the case. They end up losing 31-30. Everything came down. I, I love this in NFL and American football. When it all comes down to that final kick, and it was all at the laces for Riley Patterson. Meanwhile, Jacksonville can set their sights likely on Kansas City. Here we go for the
8: win. Got it, but there's a flag down. There's a flag down as everybody's running out onto the field, but there's a penalty marker And they call it on the defense. Unbelievable. Uh, that, that is
0: unbelievable. Smithy, I get calling the game as it is and, you know, giving out penalties but when it is the end of the game and it's against the defence so you know that penalty is going to get declined the game's over, everyone's run on why throw the flag?
4: Officiating at its best that's what it's all about, (laughs) mate officiating at its very best they like, they still like to have their last say even when they know it's over and it is over effectively they still like being noticed so, yeah, I totally agree they should just completely and utterly Rule act uh, and have a chat to that man or woman who is officiating in that particular situation. But great reaction to it. Yeah, another thing that I love about
0: American football, Smithy, is I mean we see it in the movies, right? The halftime or the full time speech. There was a great, apparently there was a great one at halftime that I uh, haven't heard or seen. But this was the full time one from Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson.
13: Man, I can honestly say this in all my years of being around this game and being around what we did in the first half compared to the second half. Okay, this one goes down, this one goes down as one of the greatest, greatest, okay? Greatest victories I've ever had. And I, you know, hey. You know, you know me and you know my heart. This is not about me, this is about us. This is about us, defense. You balled your ass off. 60 minutes. You know what? What we talked about at halftime of just hanging together one play at a time mentality, defense was going to go get the stops, we were going to get the ball, we were going to punch it in the end zone, score every drive if we had to. And you did. Offensively, you did. Great job. You, you, you have faith in yourself, you have faith in each other. You keep encouraging one another, like we talk about all the time, and you believe. You know, belief is about understanding that you can get it done, right? And then it gets done, right? It just can't happen, and then you have belief, right? And that's what faith is about. And you guys have. But hey, before before we get out of here, we gotta get at least one. Ready? One, two, three. Let's bring it up.
4: Cool what access we have in sport these days to be able to have that recorded and released and be able to get those magical moments that's kind of the things you find in movies that called us that that kind of stuff so wonderful logan to to get that uh we're going to take a short break for the news of course we also invite you now uh to play stump smithy for the first time against me anyway uh, in this calendar year it's 0800 150 811 0800 150 811 uh, we shall have the uh, 50 bonus bet from the tab up for grabs uh, of course uh, you just have to uh answer three simple questions which will be hosted by our uh, quiz master uh, logan swinkles and uh after that of course uh, if you get the through and you win the third one you get the bounty it's as easy as that and uh in the next half hour uh we've got a little bit of uh i guess what's the word i'm looking for we've got some we've got some interviews and, and some uh, reaction to be played for from the tennis perhaps a little bit from the breakers as well um, and uh, maybe you, Fook lay as well, uh, on the result from the Phoenix. So, plenty to talk about in the next half hour as well. But get on the phone 0800 150 Play Stump Smithy. In the meantime, here's Araha.
6: Ian Smith's had a good match here.
5: Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job.
0: Yeah, it's time for the first proper, legit stunt by Smithy of 2023. Of course, we've had the likes of Sam Hewitt, Mark Watson and, and Ricardo Ball. I think even a little Stephen McIver all holding the line, but there's nothing comes close to it like a stunt by Smithy. Smithy, are you ready for another big year of it?
4: Yeah, I think I'll be better this year. I really do. And I've just sort of opened my horizons, expanded them a wee bit. Read a few newspaper articles and uh, looked at uh, stuff, etc. So I hope you're good. Uh, those people that are calling in, I hope they're good this, uh, this particular calendar year. Uh, so who we got first? Who's, got the, who's opening? First at the crease, we're going to Marlborough and it is Morgan.
0: Come in, mate.
9: Morning, team. Happy
4: New Year, Smithy. Happy New Year to you, Morgan. So great to hear from uh, you. You're a brand spanking new name for me to start off uh, the competition. So uh, I welcome you uh, individually. Uh, Logan, uh, what have we got in terms of uh, topics or con- um, competition subjects this morning?
0: First of all, Morgan, are you aware of how the game is played?
9: Yeah, mate, yep, yep. I've actually spoken to Smitty a couple of times before doing this, but haven't had much luck, so I'm hoping I can no. start 2023 off with a different result too.
4: Nice, um, I like, yeah, I like yeah, the sound I, of that. I, I recognise the name, but I, I, don't, I don't remember you as a contestant. So good luck anyway, Morgan. Here's, here's, uh, here's for question number one, and what are the subjects actually? This, that's probably more important.
0: Yeah, no worries. Uh, $50 TAB bonus. We're up for grabs today. Morgan, your topics are cricket, football, that's soccer football, and golf. Soccer football. All right, good luck. First question for you, Morgan. Who leads the English Premier League? Arsenal. Just a couple of chips down make wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes another win there this morning Smithy. they're at 15 now on 47 points I won't even know uh, we probably don't need to go into that match though do we
4: no we don't we don't even care just they <laughs> take the three points and they beat a side that is uh, a constant letdown. but moving right on <laughs> moving along second question for you Morgan who leads
0: the A-League men's competition
9: um, Phoenix aren't here, are they I'm not near the top. Um, is it that? Oh, the, the blue
0: Melbourne team. Is it Melbourne City? Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot. And the it goes. Oof, when you said the blue team, I thought for a second you might slip and say Sydney FC, but they're nowhere near. No, no, yuck, yuck. It, no. yuck. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> right
4: now, the the Wellington Phoenix are fourth on the table, so they're doing all right, Smithy.
8: Yeah.
0: They
4: are, yes. The Mariners second, um, Western United third. And MacArthur, interesting. MacArthur are fifth, so, yeah, no sign of uh, the Melbourne victory or Sydney FC. Great. Okay, question three.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I love when the big dogs fail. All right, last question for you, Morgan. $50 TAB bonus bet after grabs. How many wins this season do the Phoenix women have? Oh, I don't
2: want
9: to name and say zero, but I think it's... Just, I've been looking at the results lately, and I've been pretty... Pretty sad for them. I'm, th- I'm thinking none. I'm going none.
0: Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right oh. in the slot, and away it goes. Smithy, you didn't even get a chance. I-, I actually thought for a second there that Morgan, you were going to talk yourself out of it and not say zero.
9: No, I just thought. I mean, I haven't watched all the games. I've watched a few of them because I mean, I'm a football tragic. But I'd, I thought they snaked the win last year, but I didn't think they'd pulled anything through this year. And they'd, they'd either lost by quite a margin or they'd lost by just one. But I couldn't remember a victory. <sighs>
0: Well, there you go, Smithy. It's like you were taking on Ricardo Ball uh, for the first round here with going on football.
4: Oh, it's like actually bowling to Brian Lara, the aforementioned Brian Lara, bowling <laughs> three decent deliveries outside off stump and being belted through the cover off the front of that front and back foot right from the outset. Morgan, outstanding batting this morning. At brilliant play. Um, stay on the line. Brian will get your details so we can get that uh, money to you uh, quick, smart, mate. Um, Enjoy Marlborough, love the place. So uh, thanks for calling in and, and well done
9: thanks matey you have a good 2023 eh? and uh, we'll hopefully ring
4: you up a couple of times during the year and try and take a couple <laughs> of dollars off you yeah well on that kind of form you clearly will um, so we'll make sure we uh, we try something apart from soccer football with you Morgan next time the note's kind of grinched your name already promise mate uh, <laughs> stay right, on the line uh, and, and Brian will get those details 11.37 I'm just seeing this uh, text that's come through from Ken from Papa I know I've been uh, very busy over the weekend and I've been out of sink as such, Uh, and I notice you're on your laptop now, Uh, Dave Rennie has been sacked, Eddie Jones has replaced him, Uh, Smither you were a real asset to Fox, the Fox team, Ken from Papamoa. Um, I've got to say, it's not April 1st, so it's not April Fools. It's my first day back. Tell me about this. Is that fact or fiction? Uh, it
0: is fact. That this comes from oh uh, friend of the show, Tom Deason, at the Sydney Morning Herald. Breaking, Dave Rennie has been sacked as Wallabies coach effective immediately. As you said, Eddie Jones to coach the Wallabies at the 2023 World Cup. It is a five-year deal through the 2027.
4: Wow. My Godfathers, that is huge news. Ken from Papamora, thank you very much for... Uh, uh, coming through on us, really appreciate the fact that uh, you're able to to let us know and for us to release it like this. That is staggering, absolutely staggering to me. There'll be so much more about that. We'll try and endeavour to get someone on the show tomorrow morning, absolutely from Australia, on that. Maybe uh, someone the likes of Andrew Mertens or somebody. Dave Rennie has been sacked, according to reports. Eddie Jones, uh, who's been bulleted out of England, has moseyed straight back in the back door or the front door really I suppose and replaced him as the Sir Wallabies head coach this season straight through to the World Cup and through to 2027 wow Ken That uh, thanks for that uh, i got to say that's uh, blown me out of the water a wee bit terrific bloke uh, terrific coach Dave Rennie couldn't quite get it done uh, with Australia had uh, numerous 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 injury and other factors to deal with there couldn't quite get the continuity going. So uh, Australian rugby have made a big, big call this morning. More on that very shortly, your reaction to that and our reaction to uh, sport over the weekend. It is 11.39.
1: Bring your equipment, parts and service needs to help you
2: succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
4: OK, yeah, uh, we've uh, just uh, still... Getting more information uh, coming through uh, about uh, the sacking of Dave Rennie as Wallaby's coach. Uh, interesting. Uh, Mike says, uh, Ian, I uh, was playing Royal Melbourne on the 28th of December. By the 12th hole, I was fully cooked. 38 degrees, very unpleasant. And his form was shite. Had to repair, uh, retire to the clubhouse for rehydration. I totally understand uh, what your thinking was there. I would have hated to have be been out in the Melbourne Sun-baking on that particular day, it was stinking hot. Uh, Jim from uh, Tintamukha is coming again. Smithy enjoyed your work on the test series in Australia. Some great humour had me laughing. Uh, will the last draw affect Australia in the test championship rankings? Who's most likely to make the final? Australia and in India for me at the moment. Uh, I think, Jim, I think Australia pretty much guaranteed, to be perfectly honest. Didn't help them, uh, but uh, in all honesty, I, I thought they could have perhaps opened that game up uh, by just batting for five minutes and saying to South Africa, Um, it's a dead rubber, but if you're interested in in trying to win this game, here's a a run chase you can get and it gives us time to bowl you out. Would have been a lot more interesting. Uh, I think that would have happened for Brennan McCullum and Ben Stokes. Uh, They would have entertained that idea. Uh, Text is already a question. How can we possibly get uh, Dave Rennie into the All Blacks setup? He's a great coach, maybe an understudy uh, role under Foster and Schmidt, more so Schmidt, uh, so he can grow as an international coach. 100% Australian rugby had a shocker here. I don't remember a game where Rennie was in charge. they had a full-strength 23. Ridiculous. That is from Brad. Uh, good morning, Smithy. That is huge news and disappointing for Rennie as a great coach. You can only coach what you've got. You can't turn your donkeys into thoroughbreds. Uh, look at uh, uh, look at Robbie Deans. This is a step backwards for the Wallabies. Cheers. That's uh, from Chop. Uh, yeah, there'll be a lot of reaction to this as we uh, work through it uh, throughout the day. Um, yeah, and uh, of course, uh, we were playing... Uh, little extracts of um, information and and, uh, performances over the weekend. And um, you were talking to me uh, during the news, um, Logan in particular, uh, about a couple of, uh, in particular, uh, the tennis ones. Shall we play the tennis ones? Richard Gasquet, yeah? Are you interested in uh, playing that one, Logan? Yeah, uh, before we get to
0: Richard Gasquet, we'll give you Cam Norrie's post-match of uh, playing, let's say, at home. His, you yep. know, his, his family is in Bucklands Beach, his mum and dad. So very special right. tournament for him. So you could tell this one meant a lot. And everyone supporting me, which has been great. And, and yeah, like I said, I really
9: wanted to win the title. But for me, um, changing nothing just makes me even more hungry and, and hopefully be back and I'll get the title next year. So, um,
0: Uh, the start to your year has been fantastic you spoke throughout the week in the press saying how you were a youngster watching this tournament, seeing and dreaming that one day you'd be out here so maybe some of the advice you can give to the youngsters who are here watching and what it means to you actually be twice now a finalist, I say three times is a charm so definitely believe the next one's coming mate
9: Yeah, I would say obviously I grew up here in in Auckland and played at Bucklands Beach Tennis Club and and, uh, if I was a junior and and I was watching, I I would say keep going, you know, you can make it even from a place like here so far away, so um, yeah, that was kind of the main reason why I came back to to New Zealand to inspire some of the the juniors and and, yeah, it means a lot for for all the support and big thanks to my parents and my, my sister watching back in London as well, so means a
4: lot <laughs> we're proud of you mate we're proud of you absolutely how much emotion there you could uh, tell it and very much kiwi in the accent that's what i love uh, about it as well uh yeah so that was cam Norrie beaten by this fella richard Gasquet, who celebrated in style he must have thought his winning days were over yeah, it's
7: true. I just made my, my best tennis all the week, especially today in a, in a search set. I couldn't miss a, a shot, so it was, a, it was crazy. But, you know, I just to say, it's my first time here in, uh, in New Zealand. And I, I really love rugby, you know, I'm a big fan of rugby. And I, talk, I talked a lot with French who came and how special it was to play here in this place in, uh, in Auckland. I grew up watching uh, Aka, you know, on YouTube, even in uh, Stade de France. So I'm... Uh, I wanted to come one day here in, uh, in Auckland and I could I could do it. It was a dream coming through because, uh, as you said, it's 20 years I'm playing on a tour and never came here. So, yeah, I'm really happy we, we to win here. It's, uh, it, it means a lot for me.
4: Richard Gasquet, of course, they both hop on a plane and uh, they will have already and head across uh, to uh, the Australian Open, which starts uh, in that beautiful complex that is uh, Melbourne. Gosh, that's fantastic. You walk down from the city there, and within 20 minutes, you can go through Rod Laver Arena, you can go to all sorts of uh, rugby rugby league venues, uh, and then, of course, you've got your uh, MCG as well. Uh, and it's within touching distance of a, a remarkable, vibrant city. Wonderful, wonderful place to be at this time of the year. Uh, anything else you've got for us of interest there that you've been researching, Logan? Big one last night, Smithy. The
0: Breakers, the breakers hopes of yeah. another championship are very much on the line. They could potentially still finish in a top two, and if they do that, they avoid the play-in tournament. But, of course, they went down to the Cairns Taipans last night, 85 out of 83 at Spark Arena. This is how it sounded.
8: Hogue on him. Up high comes Pardon. Sets the screen. Will McDowell wide open. Pardon to McDowell White. Abercrombie. Why not? Shoot it well. leaders one.
6: 9.8 to go. Here we go. Shot coming up. Abercrombie
13: for the game. Oh, left it short. Tom Abercrombie left it short. Cairns. Six in a row. Can you believe
0: it? Oh, can you believe it, Smithy? <laughs> Just no. When you, when you speak of great commentators and I mean, you know, we've seen, you've received a lot of love this morning from the people, which has been awesome. Andrew Mulligan has got to be up there in terms of basketball in New Zealand. Unbelievable.
4: Mo loves, Mel loves you, you can hear that Moe loves basketball. You know, sometimes, uh, and that's one of the things about commentary in, in this country, so many commentators have to spread their skills far and wide. They occasionally have to do sports that they really haven't got the heart in. But they do that and they do their research and they do a fine job on it but you can tell from mull mull loves basketball and that comes through with casey frank and when he's commentating with those two dudes together it is absolutely magic so um, mull has uh, left you uh, in no doubt where his allegiance allegiance lies but uh, at the end of the day calls the plays play by play play uh, more on uh, all that sort of feedback in that tomorrow uh, we have to take our final ad break and then we'll join up with Mark Watson, who is in this afternoon,